Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, October 25th, 2017 edition of the Carolina Weather Group. We thank you for watching tonight. Uh, tonight's guest is Cat Campbell with WAFF News 48 in Huntsville, Alabama. Cat, uh, Cat actually a North Carolina native, so we'll uh, learn a little bit about Cat tonight and uh, her ventures through the, uh, the weather world. So uh, we appreciate Kat being on with us tonight. This is a live broadcast, so if you have any questions uh, throughout the evening, please uh, be sure to uh, send them our way. You can do that uh, one of uh, many ways. We are live streaming on Facebook Live and Periscope, so you can make your comments there. Or if you want to on Twitter, you can tweet at us, at Carolina WX Group, or you can comment on our Facebook page. And if you're uh, watching or listening to the uh, podcast later on this week or maybe several weeks from now, we'll let uh, Kat uh, give her social media Twitter handle out. So uh, if you're ever in the Huntsville, Alabama area, you can follow her and get a, a forecast. So I think that is all the uh, housekeeping stuff. has been another active week weather-wise in the southeast. Uh, it seems like uh, it's becoming a norm for for many locations. Let's start off in uh, eastern Tennessee. We'll bring in Ricky Matthews. Ricky, I think you guys even flirted with some of the severe weather stuff on Monday. Yeah, the uh, warnings officially really just got into our counties, which are not ours, but they're close enough to where they should be ours kind of deal. Um, the severe thunderstorm warning and tornado warnings went up through the North Carolina high country where you guys live. We'd have some pretty significant, pretty significant flooding in Carter County. What happened was it was just the perfect storm once again to where the rain hit at a location that the water just comes rushing down those streams and valleys and creeks. And uh, we got a pretty hefty amount of rainfall and a flash flood went through the Carter County, Roe Mountain community. Um, and, you know, I hate to say without warning, but it was without warning. Uh, it was not well forecasted. There was no flood advisory, no flash flood warning. And, uh, Nothing ever got issued about that. So that's topic of discussion um, around here. And of course, now we're dealing with colder temperatures and the chance for snow on Sunday. So, yeah, some snow flurries may be flying around soon. So, uh, we'll come back to Ricky as he uh, starts our interview in just a little bit. But uh, I guess we'll transition to the West, this is normally where I'm at. Normally, I don't talk about our weather, but I do want to talk about it this time. Uh, we had another round of tornadoes uh, affect the uh, foothills in western North Carolina area uh, Monday afternoon with that cold uh, front moving through. Um, it really spawned off uh, some some devastating tornadoes. Uh, thankfully, no no deaths, a few injuries, but a lot of damage. Uh, in fact, uh, the National Weather Service in Greenville Spartanburg has been in the foothills for the second day now, and we still have not got the track or the specifics from a tornado, but we do know a tornado or maybe multiple tornadoes uh, touched down in the uh, the western, uh, we're in the foothills in the western Piedmont of North Carolina. I do want to say we had an EF1 in Wilkes County, EF1 in Cleveland and Rutherford County, and EF2 that started in uh, Cherokee County, South Carolina, and ended up in Cleveland County, and then an EF2 in Spartanburg County, and an EF1 in um, Spartanburg County. So several uh, Tornadoes in the upstate and western North Carolina in the foothills. Uh, we still don't know what's going on in the Burke, Catawba, Caldwell, Alexander um, County area. So uh, I know we've had at least one tornado, maybe even a few. So uh, that's uh, what's been happening here as we go through our tweets of the week at the end of the show. I'll kind of show you some of the, uh, the damage that's happened here in the western Carolinas. So um, actually, I was away. I'm on vacation in the uh, on the beach, but... I uh, was uh, brought into uh, coverage uh, Monday doing our live stream stuff, uh, keeping everyone up to date. So it's been a very busy week for the foothills. We'll be uh, thankful for severe weather, the severe weather, to uh, give us a break and get back into the uh, sunshine and and fall like temperatures. So James in the Charlotte area, James, I know you guys didn't have the tornadoes, but you also had some heavy rain and some thunderstorms move through from the same system. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we. Got quite the rainfall at a, a very bad time. It was it was right when they said it was going to get here. That line came right through at rush hour, and, and I think really kind of snagged folks for a little bit as they were trying to make their way on home. Luckily, it was fairly quick moving, at least the most intense portion of it. So it got out here out of here pretty quickly. And uh, now I'm sitting here thinking, I may need to close that window. It's getting a little bit uh, chilly. Uh, fall has returned, and. Uh, we are we are yet again I think back where we should be seasonally speaking after uh, that that warm weekend which which of course all came to an end as that uh, that front and that squall line came on through Scotty. 
Yeah, Frost Advisory is up for lots of uh, people in the Western Carolinas. So let's go down to Charleston. I'm going to save Shay for later as he talks about the tropics. But our good buddy, Jared Smith, who is back from uh, sunny and warm San Diego. Jared, how's things going in the low country this evening? Well, <clears throat> I'm all up in the hood. It is, uh, <laughs> it's rather chilly. Um, got back from San Diego and uh, was immediately greeted by a uh, high shear, low cape, a severe weather uh, setup. Fortunately for us, no severe weather that all stayed, uh, unfortunately, uh, back to where they have just had severe weather up in Scotty's neck of the woods. Uh, we got a good bit of rain, a very tropical air mass, uh, dropped about a good inch and a half of rain for some places, some places two inches or more. Um, had a rain gauge uh, down at uh, near Sullivan's Island, around three inches. So uh, pretty good uh, pretty good dumping, and then uh, cleared right out. It was beautiful today, not a cloud in the sky. Um, got to 67. That's about as uh, cool as it's been for a high since uh, late March. So um, definitely very much uh, legitimate sweater weather is back. We're going to see our first 40s of the season tonight. Um, and we have quite a nice inversion on radar. And if you will will indulge me just momentarily... Um, I'm going to go bring up my screen here real quick, and you can see on the uh, CLX Next Rad when we get uh, a nice uh, 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 inversion in the evening, you can see our Ravenel Bridge, and it looks like based on the velocities, we have a few speeders on the bridge tonight. <laughs> so um, Mount Pleasant Police, if you're watching, you've got some work to do. So that's going to do it for me. Uh, more great weather for the rest of the week, and um, yeah, just a very, uh, a very nice into the weekend, and then we uh, get a little bit of rain from some from a little low pressure and then back to fall. So not bad, Scotty, not bad. All right. Well, we got rid of the severe weather and we sent it up to our next uh, panelist, Peter, who is up in the Philly area. Peter, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't able to see what kind of weather transpired up there the day after, but how's things up in your neck of the woods? Uh, it actually turned out not to be so bad. We had a uh, slight risk from the storm prediction center, which turned out to be nothing as usual. Uh, throughout the day, they dropped it down to a marginal, then it was just nothing at all. So uh, we only got some downpours out of it. it. wasn't anything too severe, and we did have some high wind dust. Uh, wind advisory was issued. But, of course, when the Halloween decorations go up, that's when the wind decides to come around and blow everything down the street. So, you know, that's the way it is around here. But uh, actually, a fun little note today, uh, around 1030 this morning, I felt my house shake twice. Thought it was an earthquake, but uh, actually it was a sonic boom, they think it was. So it uh, still wasn't confirmed yet, but uh, they said nothing was no military exercise or anything. We're going uh, with the Jersey Shore today. So I don't know. We don't know what it was, but it was a sonic boom, supposedly. So uh, I'm going to jump in there a second at 1030 because that was the same time the uh, area like uh, power plant was supposed to be doing its emergency drill. I'm going to guess oh. they were allegedly <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> I, it, but nobody yeah. knows what went on. That's what they want you to believe, Peter. That there was yeah, that, you know. <laughs> but but we survived. The house stayed put, you know, and uh, you know, it's not crumbles, so we're all good. Green screen stayed, you know, up in the air, so it was good. So I was uh, just yeah. thinking, I need to chroma key you, Peter. Why not? While you're while you're talking, I'm going to chroma key Peter. But hey, Peter, you know, Peter, while we're doing this, did did the Cinnabon? make it all okay it didn't shake too bad it did cinnabon was okay it uh, went down very nicely you know stomach was hurting a little bit from that rumbling <laughs> but it was you know it was all right by the way from peter's love of cinnabon i think they follow all of us now here on the panel so hey there you we're go waiting for that sponsorship cinnabon i mean you know it could be carolina weather group presented by cinnabon so. come on step up your game that's right well let's toss it to shay gibson who uh shay i can't believe i'm asking telling you or asking you this Another disturbance in the tropics, you're saying? Yeah, well, we still have 36 days left in the hurricane season, which ends November the 30th. So uh, a fairly active season this year. And uh, we are looking at another area of disturbance right now. Let me, uh, let me know when you can see this. I guess it's uh, up on the screen at this point. Uh, but we do have an area of disturbance in the Western Caribbean, uh, given a 30% chance of development in the next uh, 48 hours and 40% chance the next five days. It, it, it really looks rather disorganized at this point, but it is over warm waters and, if, and it's going to be gradually shifting to the north over a more favorable environment. If we look at the rainbow imagery, it really is just a big disorganized kind of mess, a broad area of low pressure. Uh, but we do believe that this convection will sort of tighten as this area moves off to the north. Now, if we look ahead, we see this another upper low developing over the Great Lakes, which draws another cold front all the way down to the Gulf. And we think that that will cause some upper shear 
along that system. Either way, we're expecting some heavy rains to come up out of South America and across Cuba. This front will likely pull this system away in time, but South Florida probably needs to keep an eye on this from a distance. It's no immediate threat right now, but you never know with these systems. Uh, it depends on the timing. If the front moves through earlier and the, the area of interest uh, comes up along the tail end of it, it could get some spin with high pressure to its north. So uh, you can see that high sort of building down across the west, and then that'll go over the Gulf and then kind of up towards northeast. And this is just all sort of projected in time right here. But the main thing right now is just to keep an eye on this area of low pressure uh, that is trying to develop down in the tropics. And back to you, Scotty. All right, Shay, I appreciate it. Let's uh, toss it to Ricky Matthews. And Ricky, I'll let you bring in our guest, and we'll start the uh, conversation for tonight. All righty. Thanks, Scotty. Yeah, Kat, we've... Uh... You and I have known each other kind of going through college and through the end of a conference, but for folks who, you know, may not know you or may not follow you on Twitter, talk a little bit about where you grew up and uh, your interest in weather, how that peaked. Well, I grew up in um, right around Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in a really small town. Um, our weather growing up, you know, was a lot like most of North Carolina. We got to see all four seasons, so I thought that was fascinating, but I uh, did get to see my, the first tornado that I saw in person uh, was in 1998, and it was the day after my little sister was born. And uh, my mom had just come home from the hospital, and I looked out the window, and I remember seeing that the sky was green. And I asked my mom, why is the sky green, not knowing about hail, hail cores, or anything at the time. And she... Um, she immediately screamed, grabbed my sister, and I mean, it was just full-fledged panic. And at three years old, I don't even think I knew what a tornado was until I saw it there. Uh, I think my first experience even learning about tornadoes was seeing one out of our back window and then having my dad pick me up and run me down the stairs. So that was obviously very fascinating. Um, I thought that that was a horrible sign that my sister was just born the day before and that this was a sign of all the bad things that were going <laughs> to come from having a little sister around but she's she's cool now but um so that was my first experience with severe weather uh, but what really drew my love of weather was snow I am a huge snow lover I'm a huge winter weather lover the colder it is the better which you're laughing at me because I live in Alabama now but um, I love I absolutely do love cold weather and the reason why I really got interested in weather was because I love the snow. I was obsessed with the snow. I love skiing growing up. I, I just love skiing. I, it's the only sport that I am relatively good at at all and somewhat coordinated at. So every time it would snow in North Carolina, of course, we have all these CAD setups and I'd get my hopes up every single time. I'd sit down, I'd watch our local newscasters, I'd watch the meteorologists, I'd listen to everything that they said, soak up all the information for as long as I could. And of course we had those events where, you know, they canceled school and we woke up and the grass was green. There was not a flake on the ground, no ice, no, just no nothing there. And I, as a disappointed eight-year-old would ask why, you know, I just started asking, why did this happen? Why is this wrong? And it started fascinating me. And I feel like once you start asking questions as a kid, you are kind of drawn into something. That's how every good passion for something starts is with a lot of questions. So winter weather is certainly uh, one of my favorite things. I, I go to Michigan a lot in the wintertime. That's where all my family is from. So I got to drive. Well, I wasn't driving, but my parents would be driving through snow squalls growing up. And I just thought that was the greatest thing being from North Carolina and getting to experience these snow squalls um, coming off the Great Lakes. So I'm a huge winter weather lover. Also got into severe weather, especially as I started to get older and throughout college. Some of my best memories are, of course, storm chasing with my buddies. So I, um, I moved to Huntsville, Alabama back in May, and I'm thrilled to be here. I love it. And it's a really cool market to work in because you have a wide audience of people, but we have a lot of really intelligent people in town. It's a huge, huge science town. When I went and played trivia at a barbecue joint with my friends, um, one of the people sitting at a, a opposing trivia team had won a Pulitzer. I mean, to put that into perspective, like, how am I supposed to win that trivia? <laughs> we came in third. We came in third. But, um, yeah, it's it's a really cool town to be in, and I'm happy to be here. But we did have some interesting weather this past week that I don't even think that you guys realize. We actually had an EF1 tornado in my market 
Um, and that was Sunday night into Monday morning, technically 2.30 a.m. Monday morning. And it flew right below the 88 dB. It was just completely under the radar. And uh, we weren't even under a marginal risk for severe weather. We had almost no cape. We had really good photographs. But I mean, when I when we were forecasting before, I was in a good deal, like 24 hours plus before that. But Cape was topping out around 200 joules per kilogram for our forecast sounding. So it was, it really flew kind of under the radar for this whole. Like uh, Western North Carolina, eh, Scotty? Yeah, it was. Um, so that was eventful. It obviously was not warned. Nobody really knew that it had happened until we got viewer reports. And a lot of times when we get viewer reports of tornadoes, they're straight line winds. So um, at first we were kind of like, hmm, that's, you know, kind of ignored it. But we started to get some damage pictures in of twisted trees and looked up the scans. We have a barren radar. And there was a couplet there. But even looking at what I saw on radar, looking back, I... I don't think the weather service would have warned it. It was just, there was, it was not strong at all. Very, very low. So yeah, yeah it was an eventful week. Very unexpected that that had happened. Was that a QLCS tornado or was it just kind of a, a squall or a individual cell or what was it? No, it was QLCS. Okay. Yeah, we you gotta love QLCS stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it, that was, that was eventful. And then we did have our first um, frost in many areas last night. So of course, as I told you guys, my dog story of reporting the dog to the authorities that were left outside. Uh, there was a tiny dog left outside for those of you who are watching two uh, puppies. So I had to take care of that because they were whimpering and shivering in the cold last night. But our overnight low is actually that we had last night was typically what we see in November, November 25th. Exactly. So uh, definitely below normal here. You know, it's when you have highs in the 50s in Alabama, even in October, our our normal highs are still in the low to mid 70s. So it's it's a pretty big deal. But I'll take it. <laughs> you mentioned dogs, and of course, you're a big animal lover. Is, is Jazzy around somewhere? Oh yeah, Jazzy's right here. This is Jazzy. Um, Jazzy is my absolute best friend. I could not do anything without her. We're a package deal. But she's wearing her weather shirt. And it says, it's raining love, the little umbrella here. Um, Jazzy is a excellent um, forecaster and storm chaser. She um, She's not scared of storms like most dogs are, despite her tiny size. She uh, not bothered by thunder or lightning. Storm chasing is just an awesome long car ride for her. You know, what could be better? And she, uh, back when we had... Joaquin, Jazzy started hiding her bones for hurricanes. If there is a hurricane, I kid you not, she doesn't hide her treats. Jazzy eats her treats. But it, when we had Matthew and Joaquin, both of those systems, she was hiding her bones. It was, I, I'm convinced she has, she's learned something from sitting around. I used to bring her to lab with me at NC State every single day. So I'm convinced that she learned something. She had the clausius clapperon equation and <laughs> implemented her in her brain. So talk a little bit about NC State. Um, you know, why did you decide to go there? And then what were some of the classes that were, uh, you know, the hardest? Um, my, I went there because it was in-state tuition, quite frankly. I, um, I applied to two schools. I applied to NC State and Penn State. I got into Penn State. I got into NC State. But even with the scholarship to Penn State, it was still like triple the cost of NC State. Um, and NC State has like one of the best, it's one of the best bang for your buck kind of schools, honestly, in in the Southeast. So um, I went there because it was practical, to be honest. Um, Penn State, I also went and toured there after I had gotten in. And um, I liked it, but I didn't think that the, I liked it enough to pay triple the cost. It wasn't that big of a difference to me. So um, I'm really happy that I went to NC State because my classes were very, very small. Um, and I just got to know everybody. It was a huge, it's a huge school, but we have a really small program. So I'm really, really happy that I went there. Definitely no regrets in my choice to go to state. But um, 
the hardest class that I had, there was actually a thread started on the Future Broadcast Meteorologist group about this today, and everybody says their hardest class was dynamics. Um, my two hardest classes were, um, first and foremost, synoptic meteorology. Believe it or not, while that was definitely, you know, top two most useful classes I had, it... Um, our, our teacher wrote the textbook, Dr. Gary Lapman, and I love him and have a great deal of respect for him. An amazing man. But when your teacher writes the textbook, it's, it's going to be a tough class. So um, I spent, I just spent an absurd amount of time doing work for that class. I would, I would wake up before school started at like about 5.36, do homework, and then basically go to class, get home, do homework. It's all I did all day, every day. So I took that class, GIS and uh, radar meteorology with a really tough teacher for that class um, all at the same time, in addition to other stuff. And that was, that was a horrible idea. But the other class, we did have to take a um, physics class that had a lot of electrical physics in it. And while I, I actually loved dynamics, that clicked for me. Uh, electrical physics did not. Circuits were not, mm -mm. Well, not my thing. But I, uh, I, I got by. <laughs> Never again will I do something with a circuit in my life. <laughs> Which class uh, that you weren't required to take are you happiest that you did take? Hmm. Um, well, I'm obviously extremely happy that I took Nate Johnson's broadcast meteorology class. Um, I think even though it's broadcast, everybody should take it because it teaches you how to communicate. And um, when I went to NWA, when I was there with you last year, I had even spoken to um, weather service people who had told me, if you ever decide that you want to leave broadcast, uh, I've got your card. You've got mine. Call me because we need people that can communicate. And um, a woman in Nashville that works for the weather service there had told me that she had actually just hired somebody who came out of broadcast um, as opposed to somebody with a PhD because they could communicate. So they're looking for that. I think that's really important. Um, I did TA. Um, I wasn't required to do this, but I did TA our MATLAB class our computer programming class. And that wasn't just for meteorology. That was for the whole College of Sciences. And I'm really glad that I did that. It was tough. Um, and the teacher maybe wasn't the best teacher in the world. But um, you certainly do a lot of troubleshooting in coding when you have to teach students it because you have to find their problems. Not only are you finding your own problems in your code, which is what you would typically do, but when you have to find other people's problems, it sounds like it's the same thing, but it's not. It's you have to get into other people's mindset. So I'm really glad that I did that. And so now working in Huntsville, what's been uh, the most challenging, rewarding, or uh, shocking thing? Oh, man. Um, well, I'll tell you a funny story. This was my first, like, disaster um, on air in Huntsville. So we had... It was supposed to be a completely clear, dry day. We had isentropic lift, and that ruined everything. So it was right after I'd gotten here, and um, I kind of had a crazy intro when I got here because we had some people leaving right as I came in. So um, I didn't have any time to go over to Barron and learn Fast Track, their system. And um, I, on our like premium now rad radar product that WSI gives us, it wasn't picking up any rain because it was very, very light. Or no, sorry, I'm getting this backwards. Our radar wasn't picking up any rain because it was very, very light. And somebody had the computer settings set to cut off at like 25 dBZ just to get rid of clown, uh, ground clutter. And I hadn't checked any of the other radars because, you know, we like to put our radar on air, our branding on air. And uh, it was raining and I was showing a dry radar like the whole morning show. And I, that was awful. I had, of course, people telling me on social media, but I didn't even know how to change that setting. So, you know, it's mistakes. That's definitely been the worst, the worst we've had. Um, but there's been tons of good moments. And one of the things, and this is less weather related, one of the best thing that's, things that's happened. But um, honestly, when the eclipse happened, 
it really helps to improve your credibility as a scientist because you have so many people coming to you with all these scientific questions. Yeah, I had a ton of people ask me where they could buy the glasses, but I also had a lot of people who then realized that I was their local scientists and their source to ask these questions and get valid answers. So the fact that that happened pretty much right when I got here and um, we had a great forecast for that. I was on air when it was happening, so I know a lot of people were watching, and we nailed that forecast, so I was really happy about that um, because you don't usually have to forecast cloud cover that in-depth, you know, um, so I was nervous about it. But, yeah, that definitely helps improve your credibility as a scientist when you get to talk about events like that, so I'm happy that I had that. I've been there before with the uh, mistakes. We had fog in, you know, in the valleys of Tennessee. We have fog in some cities. We don't have fog in other cities. Some towns see it. Anyway, our product wasn't doing a very good job picking up where it was. And so I looked at our cameras after the show. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's a lot of fog in Johnson City that you can't see anything at right now. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Jesse wants on the, on the sofa. <laughs> Scotty, I think you had yeah. a question. Yeah, Kat, I have a question. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of going back to your days at NC State, I know you was able to intern at um, WRAL and WXII. First of all, I want you to talk about uh, maybe for our viewers who are watching tonight who are in college or high school, why internships are so important. And then uh, second part of that is you got to work with some great people, Greg Fischel, Nate Johnson, Lenny Pope. Kind of talk about those partnerships or those friendships, mentorships that, that you learned or you got to kind of see how they work and how it's inspired you and helped you so far in your career. Well, um, let me first off say that I think internships are hands down next to maybe your core forecasting class, dynamic, synoptic, and meso. Internships are as important as all of those classes. They're not more important, but they are just as important. Um, because even if you're not going to go into broadcast, if you're going to go into the weather service, if you're going to go into any kind of any sector of meteorology, you have to have real world experience. And um, I would have had no idea what I was getting myself into was if it hadn't been for the internships. So I started out, my first internship wasn't an internship, but I was required to do a shadowing experience when I was in high school for a career project. So I started at WRAL back then. So I shadowed there and then um, I eventually went back and interned at WXII first. And that was an amazing experience. They'd never had a weather intern before. So um, I don't think that they even knew uh, what they were doing at first. But it was a really cool experience because I got to work hands-on with them. They're, you know, they're a little bit smaller. Still an amazing station. Of course, they're owned by Hearst. But they have their four meteorologists. So, um, you know, there would usually only be one met in at a time. They need help getting stuff together. So I got to do a lot of hands-on stuff there. Usually the smaller stations, you get to do a little bit more hands-on kind of things. But um, I learned so much while I was there. Um, I just don't even know where to start. It's just all the real world things that you need to know about, about, you know, writing your resume, about what people are going to be looking for when they're hiring you, uh, all that kind of stuff. And just hearing one of the most valuable parts of doing an internship is getting to know somebody who's in the field that can mentor you. And not only that, but hearing their story, because once you do internships and you meet other people out in the industry and you hear their stories of where they started what steps they took to get to where they are now. I mean, that's what you really need to learn while you're at an internship, in addition to the tasks and responsibilities that are required to the job. But hearing people's story and how they got there is extremely useful information. And it gives you a practical idea of what, it, what you're getting yourself into. So um, that was valuable. Obviously, um, WRL was incredible working with Greg Fischel. He is very punny. He uses a ton of puns, but um, he's an awesome guy to work with and hands down the most down-to-earth person I've ever met. He is, I just have so much respect for Greg Fischel in so many ways. Um, he's an amazing guy, and um, he is just the most genuine meteorologist that I've ever met. You know, we have a lot of people in the industry that um, that just can't even comprehend the level 
of love he has for the weather and statistics. I love how much he loves statistics. Um, he's great at stats. And I learned a lot from working with him on just where to find statistical information, where to find historical data, how to put it together on TV in a way that viewers would want to see. Because obviously our templates for our graphics don't have a bunch of plots and graphs and statistical data in them usually. So it's great to learn about that from him. And then Nate Johnson, I pretty much learned everything that I know from. Um, I asked him questions the whole time I was in college and applying for jobs and until I got here. So um, he's mentored me through everything. So he's been an amazing, amazing guy, very, very helpful for me. So I definitely recommend doing at least two internships while you're in college. Um, obviously, most of the time these internships aren't paid. So try to do two, at least two, the more the better, um, the more the better. And I also did one, I recommend doing one outside of your field. I did one at Weatherbell Analytics um, in New York, and that was extremely helpful. I They were actually just in Huntsville the other week, and I went out with them and had a drink with them. So um, I've definitely stayed in contact with them. I, um, st I'm still close with those guys. I learned a ton while I was there about just all kinds of things. The business side of weather, of course, um, like the commodities trading side of weather. And then even just working with Joe Bastardi, um, I would kind of proofread his forecast, his long range forecast before they went out and just made sure everything made sense to, um, the, the consumers that were reading his forecasts. And, um, I would look over everything. So I had to look over his forecasts every day. So I got to see how they evolved. And you really don't learn that much about long range forecasting in school. You know, you don't learn a lot about extended forecasting. Hold on. I'll be right back. I just heard Jazzy. Jazzy, are you okay? Oh, she's just running around. She's just running around. Sorry. I want to make sure she wasn't sick or anything. But you don't learn a lot about long range forecasting. So uh, that was a unique experience to learn a lot about. Yeah, I think uh, Joe is the go-to guy for me looking at long-range stuff. And, you know, he just has so much wealth of knowledge, and he's really old school. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about what he does is he, he does a lot of his forecasting off of what he's experienced before and, and things that he's seen in the past. So that's really cool that, that you got to experience some, some time with Joe. Yeah, and he's a good guy too. He um... – I had no idea when I first got there that he was actually a bodybuilder. I know that sounds funny, but I thought that those photos were photoshopped like as a joke. So I was, I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> I really had no idea. I just, you know, you see his face and you see his tweets, but I thought that those pictures had been photoshopped. <laughs> Wasn't he in wrestling at one time as well too, I think? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that when I got there, but... <laughs> It made for a funny surprise when you realize that the pictures were real. <laughs> um, so talking about, you know, kind of how your college experience went, is there anything you would do different or is there anything to look back and you say, hey, I wish, you know, if I was doing this all over, I would tell myself to uh, to try. Yes, um, I do have something that I I did. At the very end with, um, I did this for my radar class because our radar teacher uh, made us do it, but I wish I'd done it for every class because um, I'm going to be, I'm already looking at starting to study for my AMS or NWA seal. And um, I wish that I had taken a, at the end of the year, or the end of the semester when you're studying for your final exam, you know, you make your little study sheets and worksheets. Um, I wish that at the end of uh, at the end of every class, I had taken a piece of paper front and back and written down the most important information that I needed to know. I also wish that, um, and I have that for radar, which is great, but I wish I had it for all my classes because then you'd have 10 pieces of paper that you and it give you all the essential information that you can look back on really quick. Um, I also wish that I had taken a notebook from the beginning, uh, from my first intro to meteorology class. I had a small little notebook in my backpack where I could write down notes throughout the course of my college career. Because, you know, teachers will stop and they'll say, oh, yeah, this is a good website to get these plots or this is a good website to get this map or 
you know, sources kind of like that, a lot of the websites that you need, um, and just kind of compile a list of information that the teachers had given me because I'd store it in my notes somewhere and I have all my notes. I kept all my notes. I can always look back at them, but you know, there's a bunch of little highlighted stored notes randomly on my pages with websites on them that I've probably forgotten about. So I wish I would have consolidated all that information in one little notebook from the beginning. Well, Kat, I've got one question for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we all have our respective microclimates where we forecast that. Um, you know, you look at synoptics, mesoscale, microscale. What are some of the challenges in your area that you forecast for? Like some of the, the more difficult type of forecasts that you deal with on a daily or even weekly basis? Um, one of the thing, I mean, we also like North Carolina, we have the mountains on one end of our state and we have the ocean on the other end of the state. We don't get as much of the, uh, we don't have as much in terms of dynamics from the ocean. Of course, it's humid and we get that, but the mountains definitely factor a lot more into our microclimates. Um, it's tough here because just even day-to-day -day forecasting with the mountain microclimates versus uh, northwest Alabama where it's flatter, we get such a range in temperatures. So viewers will say, you know, you guys said it was going to be in the upper 50s today. It's in the mid 60s here. And that's that's pretty much everywhere. But you get some drastic temperature changes when you have mountains, of course, um, in your viewing area. This morning there was, I think, like a 16 degree spread at one point. So um, it, it's always weird when you have to show one number on air. Um, that makes it difficult. But the other thing that I've noticed here a lot more than I did in North Carolina was I have to keep an eye on isentropic maps here. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily has to do as much with the mountain climate here. As I don't think that that's it, but I've had multiple instances where I will, you know, I'll get in, I'll forecast. I'm like, okay, I think we're good. We've got a few clouds. I better keep an eye on um, that. You know, we, we overall have a big, strong ridge in place. We should be fine today. But I've gotten uh, hit by isotropic lift a few times. So just, you know, when it should be completely dry, weather service not calling for any rain either, no, no other stations in town are. And you look back and you figure that out. If you look back on the isotropic maps, that's always, it's always what it is here. Talk about severe weather in Huntsville. Have you guys gone through, besides, you know, the, the F1 you mentioned earlier, any other big severe weather events? No, actually, the first day I filled in on mornings here, uh, weekday mornings, I pretty much like kind of got thrown into that right off the bat. And I think it was my second day on air. We had severe weather. Um, there was no tornado warning and we didn't have severe weather, but we had a gust NATO um, and viewers were freaking out calling in tornadoes. So we had to go, we had to cut into programming and go on air for that. And obviously that wasn't, um, a tornado but um so that was that was tough that that was like day two that i was on air um just because people freaked out and they thought that there was really a tornado and of course you don't want that to discredit you your second day on air but um we have had the tropical systems um they have not actually we had one system in coleman um which is like our southernmost county that was i think just an ef zero and then um we had a few things to our south, but we really haven't had much here since I've gotten here. Um, I did do a case study on last year's November tornadoes here, um, so I'm certainly interested to see what fall severe weather season we'll have around here. But we haven't had a lot of severe weather since I've been here. We've had a few situations where we've had to watch it closely, but that's been because of the tropical systems. And even then, we knew that they would be, if anything, low in tornadoes and people, you know. If you're in your house, typically you're going to be okay with those. So I haven't, we haven't had any real severe weather setups to forecast since I got here. But I got here in the summer, so that's to be expected. How about uh, wake lows? We see those go through Alabama a lot during the, you know, the spring months. And so you may not have dealt with those yet. But what have you done to kind of learn about wake lows? Or is there anything that your station uh, does or your, your chief knows or anything like that? No, we haven't we haven't discussed it much honestly yet, but um, it's something that we'll keep an eye on. I obviously learned about it in, in school, but yeah, before before severe weather season comes about, we have a whole shelf of like 
severe weather forecasting books and um, I'm going to probably do some reading again before spring, of course. But I mean, the practical side of it, we, I obviously know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's always good to brush up on the latest and the greatest. So, but we don't have any special kind of protocol for that. All right, well, how about um, just Huntsville in general? You mentioned kind of how the city is earlier. I've never been to Huntsville, so sell the city to me. Okay. Well, Huntsville is an awesome area. We have the Space and Rocket Center. So every day when I drive to and from work, I see a model of Saturn V, um, as well as the real Saturn V inside the Davidson um, Space Exploration Exhibit Hall or Center, whatever you want to call it. But um, So we have that. So that creates a beautiful skyline when you have a rocket. And um, so we've got a lot of really intelligent people here. We just landed Blue Origin, which is Amazon's uh, rocket company. And we have a lot of aerospace here, engineers here. Um, the other thing that we have is a lot of, we have a lot of surrounding small cities. So it's very similar to where I'm from in North Carolina. You know, you've got a lot of farmland surrounding the area. So you go straight from rocket scientists to people who sometimes don't have a college education and you kind of have to cater to everyone, but there are mountains that are gorgeous and really compared to North Carolina, they're kind of like tall hills. They're not as dramatic, but they're really beautiful in the skyline. Um, you can see them from the city. So we've got a lot of mountains that are perfect for hiking nearby because they're fairly small, but we also have the Shoals, Muscle Shoals. They have a bunch of fame. They have the big famous music um, recording center there. So there's a lot of musicians that have come from Muscle Shoals. Um, the, there was one of the first ever studios there that Elvis recorded in. One of the coolest viewer messages that I've gotten um, since I've got, since I've been here is from a guy who used to work in radio and he actually had, El he had met Elvis Presley before who had hand delivered a CD for him to play. Um, or not a CD, but whatever they used back in the day. Maybe it was a tape. I don't remember what he said it was. This was a while ago, but he um, he had sent the disc over to him, and I guess it was a like a small disc. And he he w it was before he was famous. He like drove over in a truck. So we've got this whole music scene out in Muscle Shoals that's really neat. We've got the whole space exploration scene here. Um, it's fun to do trivia here because it's all science questions, which is nice. And I love doing trivia. It's my one of my favorite hobbies. But um, the weather here, you get all four seasons, a lot like North Carolina. Um, but all in all, it's just a really beautiful city. And people um, are obsessed with football here, <laughs> to say the least. So um, it's it's fun to kind of get in on that action sometimes. I'm not I'm not like a crazy sports fanatic, but people here it's just fun to like mess with them if they tell you that, you know, oh I'm rooting for Auburn tonight and you're like can't wait for somebody else to kick their butt or whatever. It's it's fun to mess with people here cuz they don't take it lightly. So I like to like to joke around. Cat, talk to us a little about you're telling us about your city. Talk to us about your uh, weather team at WAFF. Well, we just kind of went through a whole new weather team switch um, since I got here. So I, uh, it, it, we had switched people around right when I got here, and it was crazy at first. I was working a lot of extra days. But um, we have meteorologist Brandon Spinner and Eric Burke now. They're our two newbies. I'll get to our chief last. Save, save the best for last. But um, Brandon Spinner, he used to be the chief at a station in South Dakota, and he is awesome, a bundle of energy in the morning. Like, I don't, he drinks a lot of energy drinks and coffee, but he's so awesome, so down to earth, and um, I've had a ton of fun working with him. He's a really fun person. Um, he loves snow, too, and he wears different socks every day. I didn't, like, funky socks. I didn't know that they made that many funky weather socks, but... They're awesome. He, he has like storm chasing socks, um, he has cloud socks, he, he has it all. And then there's also um, Eric Burke, he's from Lexington, Kentucky. He used to be the morning meteorologist there. Um, he's really awesome. I haven't been able to work with him as much because I've been on a morning schedule for so long and he does weekend evenings. But um, he is really, really nice down to earth and he likes motorcycles. Um, so he's obviously way cooler than I am. <laughs> But um, he he loves motorcycles, I know, and um, I think he's really into astronomy because I know we're putting together a special eyes to the sky kind of forecast for him. 
Um, meteorologist, our chief meteorologist, Brad Travis, he is awesome, really, really down to earth and a cool guy. Um, he is, he went to Kansas and he is a big fan of Alabama here. So um, he just said he settled into the Alabama like fandom when he got here, but he's been here. I don't know how long he's been here, but he was here in 2011. He's He's awesome. I mean, I don't even know where to start with him. He's incredibly intelligent. So um, I just feel blessed to work for him. And he's a great mentor. He has given me a lot of feedback that's been really helpful. One more, and I promise I'll, I'll, I'll stop. But you, you mentioned 2011. Mm -hmm. I know you wasn't there, but uh, your area definitely hard hit with, with tornadoes. Um, has any of your viewers or teammates there at the news station kind of talked about that day? Pretty much. Um, Everybody I know has mentioned it to me. I mean, it doesn't, it gets mentioned probably once a week. It is, people are still scarred from it. Everybody knows the date. Everybody knows the time. Everybody knows everything about it. It's just, people can never forget that here. It's, it was a huge deal. People who don't care at all about the weather, who are never interested, even if there's going to be snow, you know, just all those kind of big weather events, they know everything you need, everything about it. Everybody just, well, people will never forget. They'll, they'll be telling their grandchildren about it. Hopefully that's the event they tell their grandkids about. We don't want another one to come about, of course. But um, fun fact about um, our station, actually, Bob Barron used to work here. Um, and my news director that I work under worked here um, when Bob Barron was here and got to see his lightning detection system up in his upstairs bedroom during a Christmas party. Um, so Bob Barron used to work here and there was another round of tornadoes that came through. It was before I was alive. Um, I don't know the year to be totally honest before I was alive, but they, um, Bob left television because of these this event in Huntsville and decided to create a better radar because of that event. So I just think it's really cool that I work at the station that he used to work at with the news director that used to work with him. But yeah, we have a barren radar and um, we're, I'm glad that we have that around because if you think about it, that was Bob's Baron's goal back in the day. He had this kind of event happen to him. He wanted something better, and that something better was out in 2011. Well, that happened. So, so Kat, um, mm -hmm. talking about the radar, you know, what are the advantages for y'all having your own uh, radar in house? Uh, just tell me about that a little bit. Sorry, Jazz is barking. Um, well, the first advantage, like very simply put, is that our weather service radar goes out all the time. All the time it's out. It was out, yes, I think it was out yesterday even. Um, if not, it was either yesterday or the day before. It's very, very frequent that our radar goes down. Um, it, it has a lot of known issues, um, and it's going to be very... I guess expensive for them to fix it. We had done a story about it last year, but um, the advantage our radar updates about three minutes faster than their radar. And it is so um, HTX that radar site is kind of around the mountains. It's in Northeast Alabama. Ours is in Metro. Uh, it's kind of towards Metro areas, Athens, Decatur, Huntsville is kind of what we consider our Metro area. So it's right in the bullseye of North Central Alabama. So when there's things going through the shoals, it's closer to them, it's closer to the bigger cities, and we don't quite have the mountains um, causing any kind of blockage. So um, the location, hands down, is useful. And we get the lower scan elevations in the bigger cities, which is useful. And we also have um, UAH in town, um, University of Alabama at Huntsville. They have a meteorology program. Um, they have so they launch soundings, and they also have a radar um, that they will use. They have an armor radar. Yep. Um, so they, I know they got radar scans from the tornado a couple days ago from their from their radar. So um, we're lucky to have that one around, too, because they, they put out data, and I, I have my Twitter alerts turned on every time they tweet because it's always useful information for us because our closest sounding sites are Birmingham and Nashville. But yeah, uh, the the radar aside from going down, it's it's just not the best location. Awesome. Alrighty, we're getting close to uh, nine fifteen here. So, Kat, give us uh, your Twitter handle, your way people can get in contact with you, and then stick around because uh, 
we'll ask you to find a tweet of the week uh, to share with okay. us as well. Okay. Um, my Twitter handle handle is Cat Campbell WX, and Cat is spelled with a K and not a C. I'm not a big cat person. I like dogs, but it's K A T, um, and then Campbell like the soup Camp Bell, and then WX standing for weather. And what is this uh, tweet of the week? So basically find an interesting tweet uh, or something that you saw on social media you'd like to share. We'll uh, we'll go around the table here and I'll let Scotty go first. I know he has one and then we'll circle back to you. Uh, okay. Are these, are these supposed to be funny or whatever you find interesting, funny. making fun of Scotty's hair. We do that a lot. <laughs> um, whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, and how am I going to share it? Uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. I'll show you. Okay. All right, I've got mine loaded up here. So, well, that's weather chat, not that. All right, so this is uh, kind of talking about the tornadoes that we've had in western North Carolina and the upstate of South Carolina over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the GSP, uh, National Weather Service in Greenville-Spartanburg, uh, survey team found out in northern Cherokee County, that's around Gaffney, if you're uh, familiar with that area, indicated that the tornado on Monday passed about 800 feet west of the EF1 tornado that tracked through there on October the 8th. So again, uh, I put out on all my social media accounts, this is unheard of. You maybe would hear this maybe in more Oklahoma where it seems like all the tornadoes go, but uh, especially in, in the western part of uh, the upstate of South Carolina, North Carolina, um, 800 feet between the uh, two tornado tracks from, uh, from this month. So that is my tweet of the week. All righty. Uh, usually I'll let Scotty run around the panel here, but since I'm going yeah. ahead and doing it, I guess I'll give it to Peter. All right. So uh, everybody uh, sit back and then, oh, well, I guess it'd be good if I shared the screen first. <laughs> Hang on. Let me. Uh... You need to please stand by screen to pop live, up sometimes. Live TV folks. This is, you know. All right. There we go. Everybody sit back and enjoy the great sunset we had wow. in New York City tonight. Check this out. Nice skyline there. Nice red and orange colors. Perfect for the autumn time of year. Very nice. So this is from, uh, let me see who this is from. Inga, who lives in New York, takes a lot of good pictures on Twitter. Yeah, pronounce her last name, Peter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be that'll be great. Yeah. Sarda Sorensen. There you go. So you check go. her out on, Facebook, on uh, Twitter. She's got a lot of good New York City pictures. So there you are. All right, I guess I'll uh, take a quick peek at it. Uh, let's see here. Pull this up. This is from uh, Jonathan Erdman of uh, the Weather Channel. He's a producer for the Weather Channel. And uh, this was uh, the, the area of upper low pressure that developed over the Great Lakes. And Lake Superior in particular, there was one uh, Lake Michigan uh, wind damage reports out of uh, the town of Christmas on Mrs. Claus Lane with a power pole snap. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of uh, kind of humorous for the week. But the more serious thing uh, was the winds, of course, for this area, which actually this was a little bit lower. About an hour later, we had wind gusts of 77 miles per hour. So uh, that was Lake Superior at uh, Standard Rock. So these these I call the uh, early arrival of the November witches. And the November witches are associated with the USS Edmund that went down in the 1970s. And some of these very strong storms that are known to, to wrap these very strong northwesterly winds down out of Canada, very cold, usually associated with some snow banding uh, that pull down into these areas this time of the year as these upper lows bomb out over these lakes. So um, another one lining up for the next couple of days. And uh, it's, it's really fascinating to watch. If you want to watch Arctic air take a dive into the country along polar jet stream dips, uh, that is the place to watch. And uh, on to the next panelists all right jared you got something yeah i got one yeah let's do it all right so um <clears throat> this tweet comes from lost it haley clausen at kesw um in southern california taking her first trip to the national weather service in san diego and you will notice the beautiful view probably the best view from a national weather service forecast office um that is a pretty sweet view that's a pretty sweet view um <laughs> 
And you might think, oh, NWS San Diego, easiest assignment you know ever. But they're dealing with a lot of fire weather right now. They're dealing with a lot of fi- wildfire concerns. Uh, you know, I was out there just last week, and uh, I was staying with my aunt for a few days, and we uh, we were watching constantly, uh, just waiting for the next fire to sprout up. Um, I have family that is uh, much closer to the East County, and they were threatened ten years ago uh, this month, and those scars are still very fresh and. We all know what we've, they've been going through in Northern California. Uh, so uh, critical fire weather today. Um, SPC does not have them outlined for tomorrow, thank goodness. So hopefully they're going to catch a break. But it's still been very hot there. Uh, you might think it doesn't. there is no weather in San Diego. And, well, it rained on me when I was there. Uh, and it was getting up to 100 uh, <clears throat> in uh, parts of the area. In fact, uh, Los Angeles last night, warmest start to a uh, World Series game ever to any major league postseason game. I think it was 98 degrees at first pitch. So uh, a little warm out in Southern California, for sure. Uh, ma- makes this kind of feel uh, a lot better uh, being 45 and in the hood. So. Jared, do you recall what the heat index may have been? I know on the East Coast, 98 degrees means about 110. <laughs> yeah, the heat index is probably, that. you know, that's a good question. It was probably closer to like 96 because, you know, keep in mind that, <laughs> you have a you have a ninety eight you have ninety eight degrees uh, temperature, but then your dew points are probably you know your dew points are in the twenties and thirties. <laughs> it's a little chilly, uh, dew point wise. So twenty two percent humidity when I landed in San Diego last Monday. It was beautiful. And you got back here to what seventy six? I I got back in uh, eleven thirty Sunday night and immediately began perspiring as soon as I got off the plane. Uh, all right, James. All right, I'm ready for you. I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, I can't hear myself, but I'm going to keep going until you tell me otherwise. Good old uh, rule of broadcast. You got you, James. All right, fabulous. So uh, I have a tweet for you that is from our, our trip this past weekend. We went up to the Blue Ridge uh, and got to look at the fall leaves there before all of the weather last week uh, really brought those heavy winds and rains and, and mudslides to certain places. Uh, so this is just a, a look back at our, our trip, my first trip uh, along the uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway, and you can see those uh, fall colors starting to work their way there. Uh, this was the uh, portion of the parkway just north of Asheville. Uh, Peter's laughing because I think he got a glimpse at my screen. This is the first time I'm going to make a tweet of the week uh, during the broadcast, except for I think he turned his camera off. Oh, he's back. He's back. All right. So here we go. Uh, If you are watching on Facebook or on Periscope, and I can try to share this back on through for folks who are watching on YouTube here. uh, There we have it. That's what Peter gets for sitting in front of a green screen. (laughs) Him and his Cinnabons. Uh, Peter, why don't you just turn around and and let us know how those smell. Are they fresh Mm. out of the oven? Oh, the aroma in this place. It's beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. It's just, just like being in the food court at the mall. That needs to be a new cover photo on our Facebook page. Yeah, there you go. It's on our website. James, can you put? Can you write over his name and put Cinnabon fan or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> Cinnabon. They might Adam. actually have to start cutting us a check if I do that. <laughs> now Cinnabon I'm addict. cooking with Peter. All right, let's. Uh... Now that I made everybody starve. Yeah. All right, Kat, I see you got something pulled up. Okay. Yep. So this is the tweet from UH Swirl. Shout out to college kids that are ambitious and have awesome radar data here. Um, so here's the the data, the radar data from their armor radar of our EF1 tornado that was confirmed. Um, so it's just, it's a decent scan. You get, you know, one good scan in there, but... Um, I wish I, I should have, if I, if I would have known we were going to do this, I would have pulled up the, our radar data to, oops, uh, compare it to, but um, it was certainly, it was an unexpected event, but, uh, you know, when you look at their, their data, their data, their data, <laughs> uh, their data, you could see why, uh, what happened really. So I'm glad we at least have more data coming out from them. I love I love uh, when colleges can help kind of share data with forecasters, and I like to utilize it and kind of push their data out on social media. That's awesome. Reminds me of the uh, TWR scans we sometimes get out of Charlotte with the, the quick spin-up tornadoes. Yeah. I mean, it's just for basically one scan, but um, at least we have that to look at, look back at. All right. Uh, my tweet of the week is rest in peace, Sanford, North Carolina, which apparently got hit by a massive hurricane yesterday afternoon. This is from Tim Buckley. Um, looks like that sensor's got some issues. Um, reminder to uh, check your sources and your sensors before <laughs> tweeting them out. So 
funny tweet from Tim there. I thought that was a. I was wondering where that stuff came from that I saw fly on the beach yesterday. Maybe that's where it came from. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a good one for for folks with apps out there that say, "Oh my gosh, it's windy out." <laughs> or it's snowing. <laughs> All righty, Scotty, okay. wrap everything up here. All right, we'll do it. We appreciate you coming on, Kat. Uh, thank you for Thanks that. Thanks for having hopefully, me. Hopefully, we can uh, snaggle you back in some other time, and we can uh, talk some some more weather. I do want to give our schedule for the upcoming uh, few weeks, if my phone will cooperate with me. Give me just one second. All right, here's our schedule for next week. We are talking with Chester Lampkin with uh, – well, he's now in the St. Louis area, but um, he did just move there from New Zealand. So we're going to be talking about New Zealand weather with uh, Chester. And then after that, on the 8th of November, the JPSS-1 satellite launch. I'm not sure who our guests are yet. I need to check on that. Um, our, our friend John Leslie is supposed to be uh, lining them up for us. So uh, – We'll have that on the 8th and then the 15th of November. We're going to have uh, the North Carolina, South North Carolina and South Carolina state of emergency state emergency management meteorologists say that five times fast on with us. So uh, that's what it looks like for the next few weeks. Like always, if you have any suggestions that you would like uh, us to reach out to, we uh, take those and we'll uh, reach out. I know Shay has been working hard on a few shows and, uh, Looks like we've got some shows already booked for uh, January of next year. So we are on that and looking forward to uh, some good shows coming up. But uh, again, if you have anything that you want to hear us talk about or any specific guests, just reach out to us and we'll see what we can do. So if that's it with everybody else, we'll end the show tonight. You have been watching the Carolina Weather Group. Please make sure to subscribe to us on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you like our Facebook page and our Twitter account. Share, 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 share a word. Uh, we'd love to uh, be in uh, more places. So until next week, we hope you have a great weekend and stay safe.